let's hear a story about Markham This is Lisa Orton with the weekly Markham Hill Moment of History from Friends of Markham Hill, an effort to save the mountain from development and make it a 200-acre nature, wildlife, historic, and Native American preserve in the middle of Fayetteville, Arkansas. The problem? The developer specialized real estate group and their financial backers who want to remain anonymous refuse to protect the entire property or sell to somebody who will. But we're not giving up the fight to save Markham Hill. Today's story, How the Pratt Archer Family Lost Markham Hill to a Developer, Part 4. Summary of the Markham Hill Bankruptcy Case. This summary of the Markham Hill Bankruptcy Case was extracted directly from the Archer v. Kennedy petition filed in the Iowa District Court in Polk County, on November 5, 2020, under case number 05771 LACL 149083 Polk. The plaintiffs are Julian and Jane Archer. In approximately March 2014, the plaintiffs received a foreclosure notice from Simmons Bank for a two-month delinquency on a building loan secured by the properties. Consequently, plaintiffs sought legal advice from attorney Stanley Bond and his law firm, Collectively Bond, an Arkansas attorney reputed to be an experienced debt relief bankruptcy attorney, to determine their financial options and best solution to their financial problem. Bond advertised himself in his website as one of the most trusted Chapter 11 bankruptcy attorneys in the state and asserted his belief that bankruptcy law firms should take responsibility for teaching their clients about what they can expect throughout their Chapter 7, 11, 12, and 13 bankruptcy. These statements were central factors in plaintiff's decision to engage Bond as a legal counsel. After consultation with Bond, plaintiffs retained Bond to assist them in avoiding foreclosure by Simmons Bank based on the claimed default in the obligations owed to that bank, which Bond referred to as a technical default. Upon legal advice from Bond, plaintiffs caused Archer LLC and Sassafras Hill Communications Incorporated to each file a Chapter 11 bankruptcy proceeding in April 21, 2014. Bond failed to properly ascertain the terms of the note debt that Simmons Bank held and was attempting to foreclose, and they failed to realize that the defaulting loan was in fact cross-collateralized and or guaranteed by Pratt Place Inn Incorporated and Sassafras Hill Enterprises Incorporated, as well as personally guaranteed by the plaintiffs in their individual capacities. After Archer LLC and Sassafras Hill Communications Incorporated filed Chapter 11, Simmons Bank in turn began collection efforts against all remaining parties not in bankruptcy, including the plaintiffs. Consequently, on advice of Bond, Pratt Place Inn Incorporated and Sassafras Hill Enterprises filed for Chapter 11 on January 15, 2015, and the plaintiffs personally filed for Chapter 11 on April 28, 2015. Bond initially represented plaintiffs and the separate debtors for all five bankruptcies. The court later ordered Pratt Place Inn and Sassafras Hill Enterprises to seek separate counsel, which they did, although still under Bond's guidance. Bond's representation of plaintiffs resulted in many acts of legal malpractice at varying stages of the bankruptcy process that spanned years in duration. 
Those acts of malpractice included, but were not limited, to the following. A. Bond failed to properly prepare plaintiff's bankruptcy petition and schedules by failing to list certain assets, including horses, a garage, and an apartment in Paris, France, furnishings inside the inn, many of which were antique family heirlooms, bank accounts, and other assets. B. Bond knew of the existence of the undisclosed assets and knew that the plaintiffs incorrectly believed they were required only to list assets sufficient to cover their debt obligations. Despite that knowledge, Bond failed to properly advise plaintiffs of the requirements to disclose all assets and the potential consequences for the failure to do so. C. Bond failed to properly file claims of exempt assets, with the result that many of plaintiffs' personal assets eventually became part of their bankruptcy estate and subject to liquidation to satisfy creditor debts. D. Bond neglected many important procedural requirements that must be strictly adhered to to maintain a Chapter 11 bankruptcy proceeding. Bond's lack of attention to detail and failure to ensure procedural compliance caused plaintiffs who had no prior bankruptcy experience or knowledge to breach certain procedural requirements that should have been avoided with proper oversight and direction by defendants. E. Bond repeatedly failed to assert meritorious challenges to proposed actions of the bankruptcy trustee, which were detrimental to plaintiffs. As a consequence of Bond's neglect, a motion to convert to Chapter 7, or in the alternative appoint a Chapter 11 trustee, the motion to convert, was ultimately filed in plaintiff's case by the United States trustee on March 7, 2016, Bond did not take any effective steps to oppose that motion, and an order was entered on May 12, 2016, involuntarily converting plaintiff's personal bankruptcy from a Chapter 11 proceeding to a Chapter 7 liquidation case, thereby exposing virtually all of plaintiff's assets to complete liquidation to pay off creditor debts. Prior to the above-noted Chapter 7 sale liquidation, and in reaction to the trustee's initial stance that the barn, inn, and cottage were harming the estate by performing at a deficit, plaintiffs employed a CPA to scour the books and records of these entities to properly underwrite their financial health. In January 2016, plaintiffs provided the trustee updated financial documentation performed by this CPA, evidencing the barn, inn, and cottage were not a detriment to the estate and that they were in fact financially secure. The trustee refused to consider these updated financials due to Bond's continuous procedural miscues and associated negligence throughout the bankruptcies and elected to proceed with the sale of the Barn Inn, Cottage, 68 acres, 4 acres, and associated assets at a steep discount. Bond neglected to challenge or question, via motion or otherwise, the trustee's assertion that the assets in question were not profitable and should be sold. As a result, plaintiffs, to their detriment, lost valuable and personal assets at sales well below market value. In December 2015, plaintiffs had originally listed the R4 parcel, 72 acres, for sale through their Chapter 11 bankruptcy as debtors in possession and secured an offer of $1,087,050 from Mr. Seth Mims, 
a local real estate developer. Plaintiff's intent as debtors in possession was to use the proceeds from the R4 parcel sale and approximate $250,000 profit from the sale of the Halsell lots to drastically pay down the Simmons debt and in turn have Legacy Bank refinance the remainder of the debt due and pay off Simmons in full. Legacy Bank is a local bank that was in close communication with plaintiffs and agreeable to the deal. Discussions were also underway for MIMS to purchase the 68 acres owned by Archer LLC, which would have given him the land encompassing the Hulsell lots and on which the barn, inn, and cottage were located. Since the city of Fayetteville required two access points to property as large as MIMS would be purchasing on the far west, the plaintiffs agreed to grant him, without charge, the choice of one of two potential access easements across the 68 acres from the R4 parcel he was buying. With the understanding that the plaintiffs wished to retain management of the barn, inn, and cottage and potentially repurchase the 68-acre property on which they were located, Mims not only assured he was acceptable to these terms, but offered to look for a financier to lend funds to plaintiffs to facilitate this repurchase. Soon thereafter, however, Mims placed a $2 million offer on the 68 acres, which was well below market value. The trustees accepted the offer pursuant to its discretion and scheduled a hearing for court approval for the sale of all properties in early February 2016. Shortly thereafter, MIMS stopped all communications with plaintiffs. Meanwhile, in a last-ditch effort to prevent the sale of these valuable and personal 68 acres, including the barn, inn, cottage, and valuable personal effects, plaintiffs secured four written offers for the purchase of Sassafras Hill Communications and its cell tower lease. Two of the authors were over a million dollars. This million, along with $1,087,050 for the R4 parcel and the $250,000 for the Halsell lots would have more than paid Simmons in full and enabled plaintiffs to potentially exit bankruptcy. These four offers were turned over to Bond with the expectation that the pending motion for approval of sale would be challenged by Bond so that plaintiffs could pay their debt by other means keep their 68 acres and associated personal and valuable assets, and exit bankruptcy. Bond did nothing. No motion or objection was ever filed, although it should have been. Part 5 of this series will only quote from legal documents I found online concerning the Archer versus Bond malpractice lawsuit, including the judge's decisions. For photos corresponding to this story, go to Facebook group, Friends of Markham Hill and look for the weekly entitled How the Pratt Archer Family Lost Markham Hill to a Developer, Part 4. This is Lisa Orton with the weekly Markham Hill Moment of History.